0: Welcome to the Therapy Thoughts Podcast. This is Tiffany Rowe. I'm a clinical mental health counselor and psychology teacher in Utah, and I want to change the mental health game. The Therapy Thoughts Podcast is all about breaking down therapy related topics and making mental health information easy to understand and super accessible. So, join me for quick and direct educational episodes. And some deeper dives with experts from around the world. Together, we are gonna break down stigma. We're gonna help each other make peace with mind, body, and food. We're gonna make therapy cool and invest time in our mental health. Let's do it here, one therapy thought at a time. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Therapy Thoughts podcast. Today, I get to talk to someone who is super rad and big on the Instagrams, Sarah Nicole Landry. She is a mom of three, currently pregnant with her fourth, and she loves cultivating powerful social media conversations around life and our experiences in it. We had a great conversation. Obviously, it started off about tacos. You're going to want to tune in. Sarah is a body confidence activist, a speaker, a writer, a three-time cover girl, and weekly podcast host. Check out her podcast. It's called The Papaya Podcast. Her lifestyle includes approximately 12,000 unanswered emails and peanut butter straight from the jar. That's a bio if I've ever heard one. I love it. Sarah is a pure delight, and I'm excited for you to hear our conversation today. Tune in, check it out, and let's get it going. What's up, Sarah Landry?
1: <laughs> I don't know why I can't even. <sighs> it's like, that's such a simple question. But like, if I were to give a real answer, it'd be so layered today. <laughs> so I was going to say, good, fine. How's it going with you?
0: <laughs> well, <sighs> we should cut the shit and talk about how we both have tacos in bathtubs on our
1: Instagram. Yeah. And how TikTok decided that mine, it was too scandalous. They took it down from TikTok and said that I broke community guidelines because I was like in the tub with tacos. Look. Like, how dare they? They're not ready for this level. (laughs) It was so funny though. Like, okay. So it was, it was, I I wrote a whole post about it today, but it was like such a journey because we knew it was National Taco Day. So we're like, okay, today let's get Taco Bell, like that'll be, that'll be our plans for dinner. And we were walking in the store. I don't know why everyone's in this like current panic mode about like toilet paper and paper towels. So we were, we had gone from Costco into the grocery store looking for toilet paper and paper towel. Can't find it. So we're, I'm like, let me just like scroll down the home decor aisle. Like, just like, give me a moment of peace. And so we walked down this aisle and my husband, Shane, he's like, Oh, look like they've got floating candles. Do you want some of those? Like maybe for a bath. And I look at him and I was like, This is what we're doing today. (laughs) This is what we're going to have the most epic bath ever. And you're going to take a picture. And he's like, okay, first of all, he hates taking photos, but he's now like, this is my idea. Like I gave you this. So I'm, I'm on board. So we bought like these cheap flowers. I cut them up. He ordered the tacos. We like, we filled the sink with water and started testing what plates and bowls could hold the tacos on. Like it was a full blown production, but we were so into it. We're like, okay, this got to go like this. And I'm lighting. It looks so beautiful. Like, Don't, I won't kid around. It is a stunning shot, but (laughs) there's like the amount of strategy involved in getting into a tub with lit candles and flowers and floating tacos. It's so serene to look at it. But the reality, I was like, Oh, burning my nipple. Oh, burning this. Oh, like, and then go off the tacos. Like, it was so much. And then we're just like, as soon as it was done, I was like, drain the tub. I'm done. Like I'm out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shot. It was a lot of fun. We, we actually was like, I've been so I'm six months pregnant. So I'm very like low capacity, have no desire to do anything these days. So the fact that there was this glimmer of oh, look, there's like some floating candles to like this. We're having a taco bath was such a beautiful experience and journey. And then everyone, I was just telling you before we started, like everyone was like sending me your pictures and being like, oh, but have you seen Tiffany's? And I was just like, okay, you know what? Like she wins for the taco bath. (laughs) I had two tacos. You probably had like a hundred of them, but for $1.37 a pop, why you can't go wrong. Yeah, no tacos are
0: harmed or lost in the yeah. making of these pictures.
1: Why are people so like, oh, my gosh, the crumbs that could go into your tub? And I was like, well, they will go down the drain with all of my problems. Like, I don't know <laughs> what you think happens with the crumbs. I'm not the cleaning them. They will soften and they will drain and they will feed the fish in the ocean. I'm very happy for them.
0: Oh. Okay. I love this because we're like having a blast talking about food. Yeah. And that's, that's one reason I wanted to talk to you about this or have you on the podcast rather is because you've made peace with food, you've made peace with your body. And I want you to tell us about that journey and mm. how did you get to this point?
1: Yeah. So I, I was like any other, I shouldn't say it's like any other, I, 12 years ago, I decided to start a blog because I was insanely lonely in motherhood. I had two toddlers at home. And so I named it cutesy after them, like I named it, you know, the bird's papaya because my daughter's nicknames were Gemma Birdie and Maya Papaya. So it was like this cute little way for me to like feel like I wasn't so alone and I could do the things that other women were doing in the world. And and it was like these atrocious crafts and really bad writing. But it was all about stuff in your house. It was all about like what your front porch looked like. And it was really about you. And it, it wasn't really we weren't in that age of social media yet. But through a whole series of events, I ended up moving back to my hometown now three times postpartum. I'm well over (laughs) towns. I've been (laughs) since I was 12. So this wasn't new, but this was the highest for me and uh, moved home to my hometown, made it made me really uncomfortable. Then on top of that, my social media, we now had Instagram. It was very, it was very new, but it was very different. It no longer looked out at people out at your homes and stuff so much. It was a lot of like selfies and bodies and transformation photos. And I was like, okay, you know what? Like I have so much shame around these things. I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to do it. Like I've never done it before. I'm going to be so dedicated to it. And so I did what anybody who has zero access to information or any type of money to pay for like, proper education around nutrition or fitness or anything, so I downloaded an app that told me to eat basically what a toddler should eat in a day, and because I didn't know my limitations on working out, I just worked out as much as I humanly could at home, and of course, like, I just started to lose weight rapidly, and I didn't say anything about it. I just kind of, like, did it privately, but I was starting to show up a little bit more online, and people started to notice, so I posted my first transformation photo at around pounds. And I was like, Really excited. Like, people had started to notice. I knew that that was like kind of where it started to become the success story. And I'd done it all by myself with no diet programs, with like no paying for a gym. Like, I was doing this at home with three kids with like no extra money and, and was able to like lose this weight. Like, what a success story. But of course, I was praised like crazy and it just kept going and going and going. And I just kept chasing it. This became like my new goal in life. I would look in the mirror and I would even make, I would even make posts like sometimes when I'm not sure what to do or how to work out, I, you know, work out in front of the mirror to see what jiggles. So I know what to target. So I just saw my body as a target. Like, what can I, Mm. what can I change? What can I adapt? What can I make better? So technically I was trying to hate myself happy. That's the way I see it now. But at the time it's really hard to see when, everybody's just so happy Mm. for you. And suddenly you can shop in the regular stores and you can share clothes with your friends. And suddenly you feel so accepted by society. It feels so great. But the darkness of it Mm -hmm. was that I actually had more anxiety leaving my house than ever before. I was terrified of actually showing up real online. So I edited almost everything I just had gotten so scared of food, really disordered in the way that I thought about it, the way that I ate. My entire life structure ran around what meal I was having, how little I could eat before it, how much I would have to exercise after it. It was constantly, and I would talk about this like it was a positive thing. I'm like, it's just math. It's just basic math. You just need to do basic math every day to figure out how much you need to take in and how much you need to burn it off. So my entire world was just a calculation and I wasn't living. I was just existing with these calculations all the while basically suppressing what was really going on. The fact that I was insanely anxious with my body and the reality that I actually felt more body shame and struggle than I did before I even started this whole journey. So I went from pounds um, and like a size down to like pounds in a size and I was like it just hit me like I don't even know how much further I can go I don't know if I can push my body anymore and it was just really alarming and at the same time I'm now going through this divorce because I'm going through therapy and just realize it, my whole my whole life is just imploding and people are like Nobody's nobody knows that I have just left an 11 year marriage and that I'm living at my parents house with my three kids. And everyone's like, Oh, my gosh, you look, you've never looked better. And I was like, you have no idea. Like, I've not eaten in. I'm exhausted. I feel like crap. I'm going through absolute hell. And everyone just saw my body smaller and they were like, you look better than I've ever seen you. You look so happy. You look so this. And it just hit me. I was like, I don't even know. It was kind of a slow Mm. ton of bricks that kind of hit. And I realized I've been lying online, been lying to myself. I needed to make some major changes if I wanted to live a true healthy lifestyle with what that really meant and I had to get real comfortable with the discomfort of that was going to mean I had to gain some weight and I had to stop doing a lot of this really, really scary stuff when it came to the way I was treating myself around food. So I started posting a lot more vulnerable, vulnerably and it wasn't perfect. It was actually like such a slow crawl into that, into that recovery and into that space. It, it, you have to remember like this is two, three years ago. People didn't really talk about this the same way as they do now. And so it was It was really, really tough for me. But I felt like it was the first time I was actually showing up as myself online, like true, true authenticity online. And uh, it just ended up really resonating with a lot of people and ended up really growing my page in a way that I felt really good about. And I felt really honest about And slowly over time, the great part of the story being that I actually stopped being so anxious around my body. I stopped being so hung up on it and recognized what a distraction my body had been from just living and existing in life. Mm -hmm. And, And I think it's even when you said like, I've made peace with my body. I'm like, I've made peace with the fact that my body is less important than I've made it to be. I don't think that I'll ever wake up and be like, astronomically in love with my form and I think the chase of that is what made me so disordered in the way that I lived and now I get to just kind of be like all right I don't love this but you know what it's not really it's not really the thing that's going to define me today so like let's look at all the other things that I do and kind of move forward with that so I, I ended up um, growing very rapidly on social media through this vulnerability and now I get to like talk about this crap all the time and it makes me happy because I just get to exist in, in change and in, I don't know, like a real space. And now I'm pregnant and that's like a whole whack load of like having to be real honest about what it's like watching your body change after all of that change. And uh, so, yeah, that's basically the run of it of what's happened kind of over the last five, six years in, in this journey of, of this experience, I guess.
0: Oh, I'm so grateful for the honesty. The things you're saying, it's like people in the eating disorder professional recovery world know this mm-hmm. stuff, but the general public has no idea that when you compliment someone on weight loss, you might be complimenting their grief, their mental illness, their extreme mm-hmm. anxiety, their eating disorder, mm-hmm. like this obsession. And you mm-hmm. spoke to that, that it was disordered. You were afraid of food. You had this
1: horrible anxiety. You're going through a freaking divorce. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it was alarming for me to be going through it so quietly. And yet my, all my identifiers publicly was what I looked like. And I had created that it was a perfect storm, right? Mm-hmm. I, I had chosen and siphoned all of my, all of my existence into it went from my it went from being like my kids were the most important, like it was presenting my kids and my home as like this perfect scenario into presenting me as this perfect scenario and this perfect person who had no flaws and and was striving to like you know be this perfect woman and you can do it too and it was just i didn't even realize the facade that i'd even created for myself and how much i'd created it for other people and the fact that when i would run into followers in public they almost always came up to me very almost apologetically they were like Oh, I love following you. And like, yeah, like I've just been, I've been struggling. Like I've been, you know, I didn't, I have, I've been eating things I shouldn't have been. And like, I've just been, you know, not getting to the gym like I should. And they were so almost sorry. And I, and I kind of would look at it and be like, why are you explaining this to me? But I didn't realize that this is the standard that I was almost presenting as what was worthy to be a human. And now it's really interesting because women and men will come up to me and be like, I went to the beach for the first time in five years. Like I, I actually went and did that thing that I didn't think I could do and like didn't give a crap about it. Or I was so nervous and I just decided to go for it. And I'm like, this is it. Like, yeah. it's not about like feeling apologetic in our bodies and in our lives are waiting for this like perfect moment for us to finally feel good about it all. But actually just showing up like in the crap and not just showing up like you've got to wear a bikini. Like, I don't care if you go, I don't care if you show up in a muumu to the beach. Are you there experiencing the memories with other people? Then like that's how you show up. And I think that's what gets really scary for people. So I think self-acceptance is all about like, now I need to show everybody everything. I need to be perfect. I need I need to be perfect in my self-love. And it just becomes another way that we're disordering the whole process. I'm I'm very much like, how can we just freaking show up? And and stop being so distracted by this narrative that our bodies are you know, this walking form of worth. And when it's when it's really just, it's it's a pillar of us, really. I love this, this body neutrality. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that was what was really good for me to learn. Because along the way, obviously, we talk about self love, and we talk about body positivity and things like that. But a lot of times that even feels like just another thing you can fail at. Yeah. It just feels like another thing that you're just like, oh, I can't get there. This is so hard. And and I really had to redefine what self-love even was. Like if you, if you talk about love, people always relate it to this butterflies in the stomach experience, this overwhelming joy and feeling. And, and I realized that for me and, and the thing that I've been chasing wrongly is, and we do this in relationships too, we kind of chase these factors of feeling. And really, it's the actions that make us stick around It's the actions that are true love, like our true love is in our actions. So for me, it was a lot of like, forgiveness, it's in a lot of like, actually eating foods that feel good for my body. It's actually doing like movement that's not out of resentment for my form, like that is my self love. It is not a it is not an emotion that I feel for my form. It is an action that I do for myself. This is pretty radical. This like- I mean, it feels like it, eh? Like sometimes, but I feel like if we just talk to people, even about their basic relationships, we would feel better about it too. Like, oh, that makes so much more sense why I'm not constantly feeling butterflies in my stomach over my significant other or my partners, but yet look how we show up for each other. Like that's, kind of where I'm trying to like place it in my mind, I think, and and what makes the most sense for me and takes a lot of that pressure off.
0: Yeah, I've, I've uh, followed you on Instagram for a while now and respect how you are navigating like the changes in this world. Like you're using words like body positivity. And I think you're, you're one person who takes pictures of their body, but is also understanding like the larger uh, social justice context, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think about doing that? Like as a white woman using your body online, but preaching this message of body neutrality while also kind of like understanding where the body positivity movement came from?
1: Well, that was the thing. I didn't even know uh, originally. And I, when we talk about body positivity, that's the buzzword that people have used as this identifier for the movement. It's not actually a movement meant for somebody like me. It was mostly made for those in marginalized bodies, for those who aren't listened to, and it can be. Vi- there's almost this weird intersection that happened, and it became really, really combative. And I'm really glad that it happened though, because I think it woke a lot of people up. Yes, there are people who struggle in their self-esteem every day. There are those who are recovering from disordered eating and eating disorders, but those people will always be able to walk out and exist in the world, have their doctors listen to them, sit in airplane seats normally, ride public transportation, have doors held open for them, hold jobs the same way, be treated with respect without stigma in these same ways. So I think to bundle them in the same package is incredibly unfair. And so it wasn't until I actually learned the real truth behind what body positivity was that I started dropping that language yeah. for myself. And, and honestly I dropped it anyhow, because it was better for me to not think about it in being such a positivity thing. Like I, I liked body neutrality quite a bit more and self-love quite a bit more, but I do think that every opportunity when I now get to talk about, you know, changes in our body or even I I spoke not long ago about some of the hate I receive around, you know, comments of my body. And I'm like, this is something I get in a medium sized body as a white woman. Now, for one second, can we consider what this is like for somebody who is a person of color who is disabled or who is existing in a larger body that isn't so accepted by society. Like I face this in like the small corners of the internet. We tell this to people and to women every day when we leave them out of even the shopping experience. The fact that we've segregated shopping sizes into far corners of the store, so they're not with us, like we don't include sizing the same way. There's just so much barriers. And the fact that I have so many friends I've talked to who exist in fat bodies and they go into their doctor's office with a common cold and they're like, you need to lose weight. Like it's a weight issue. And they're like, wait, what? I just have a sore throat. I was asking for a throat swab. Like, what are you talking about here? We've, we've literally conditioned the entire world to feel a certain way about people in large bodies or in marginalized bodies. And then, we relate to these stories that we hear online about poor self-esteem or often disordered eating can be very relatable for a lot more people, but they're not the same subject matter. And it's really unfortunate when they kind of come together. And And I think it's been one of my missions in the last year, especially by being called out for this a few times, is just being way more intentional about making sure that the space that I'm taking up isn't taking over for somebody else and allowing like even if it's using my own platform to share other people who have a voice in those spaces, doing that, because I can't speak, I can't speak into their experiences the same way I used to be a plus size woman. And even then I didn't experience the full gamut of what it looks like to be treated so much. It's a human rights issue, like straight up. It's a human rights thing. It's like self-esteem and eating disorder and then human rights. And they're, they're, they're just very, very different. So I think it's important to, constantly and repeatedly say and acknowledge even while you're talking about your own experiences with your own skin and your own body to continue to acknowledge those who are being treated lesser by society. Yes, you I, this is why I love
0: following you because you're willing to do the work and to say like okay, if I get called out, I'm willing to do better and I'm understanding and I'm willing to shift yeah. and I think me and you both experience that I've learned a lot mm. online and yeah. have. I'm so grateful when I wake up to these issues. With that said, I think it's very understandable when we have multiple layers of privilege to struggle with these, you know these growing pains and waking up and understanding bigger yeah. social justice issues. So I'm sure you're getting people who are like, no, I've had, you know, I'm thin and I'm white. And this doesn't mean I don't struggle. What advice do you have or guidelines would you set for people who, uh, you know, are, are in that place, struggling to see how marginalized folks, them being liberated and centered is good for all of us and not like having that
1: defensiveness. Yeah, I think all of us have this deep seated fear of being wrong. Like it's just there. And it's unfortunate because being wrong often gives us an opportunity to learn something. And, And I think I even when I was like in this last year when people were like, you know, shared this photo and talked about the fact that like, I still kind of get the same opportunities as everybody. And I was like, what? Like, that's not even my message. Like how can I create a storyline about a body I don't exist in? Like, how can I, I can't do that for everybody. Like I can't, I, that's too much for me. And then the more that I sat back, I'm like, nobody is asking for anybody to shut up. That's not what anybody is asking all all that is being asked is there are those of us who already have seats at tables. They're just asking if they can come sit down with us. And I feel like that is such a small ask and it's as simple as holding a door open. It's as simple as how can I support you asking that question, like understanding that our privilege comes with opportunity. It's not supposed to feel like, like, I think a lot of times we feel like it's such a burden that we have privilege. It's like, no, it's actually such an amazing thing that we actually get to be somebody to ask that question and then also understand that it's not our place to speak for anybody. It's to allow them space to speak for themselves and and to listen. And I think that the more that I've sat in the discomfort, the more I've learned that it's just this basic terror of being wrong and being wrong publicly. Mm-hmm. And this, this, Feeling like it's just too much for me or I can't do these things or just being so afraid of being wrong instead of just like sitting and listening. I think if we sat and listened, I think a lot of us would understand what was really going on. And I feel like for me a big part of it has been following, um, those who are in marginalized bodies and and not always commenting on their work, not doing it. So it looks like I'm saying things a certain way, but just absorbing what they're saying, like just absorb it, like just sit and be audience to it and let that start to play into the way that you create and to the way that you speak. And in the way that you kind of are noticing, these issues you you wouldn't i wouldn't have noticed the lack of accessibility in our world if it wasn't for following somebody like wheelchair rapunzel who talks about it daily her you know her life in a wheelchair and the lack of accessibility i wouldn't know that that exists i wouldn't have known that you know certain bodies get literally the reason we don't see so much of them on social media is because they're actually deleted all the time. They're deleted constantly for being inappropriate content or being too much because there's like the amount of skin that's shown. And and it wasn't until I actually used um, certain hashtags during the Black Lives Matter movement that I realized like even my account was being shadow banned for using like language around support. So you're just like, it's so complex. There's so much involved and it's very easy for us to live within our own bubble and just see our own issues and our own. You know what's going on. And sometimes it just takes that little bit of intention to look outside of that and understand what's going on in bigger pictures and not to minimize what's happening with us, but holding space for other people as well. And making sure that when you're talking about something that you're not just holding space for somebody who looks like you, who is like you, who experiences what you experience, but hold space for others and their experiences as well. Like, I mean, a really good example that's outside of all the body stuff is for me right now being pregnant, Mm -hmm. holding space for those who are also struggling with infertility and just giving them minor notifications of just like a content warning or acknowledgement or how different ways to support them. So we're actually holding space for each other instead of just feeling like, this is what's going on with me. And I don't care what's happening with you actually just creating space for both. Cause we can't, we can't be everything to everybody, but we can be intentional about listening. And I think that that's just as simple as it needs to be sometimes. Yeah. You are super
0: comfortable with challenging your beliefs. That's what I'm hearing is this like Mm -hmm. thread from, I mean, if you've gone, through dieting hardcore, and then now you are embracing your body, going through a divorce, mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. understanding social justice issues. Like what I what I really respect mm-hmm. about your values is you're okay with that growth. Yeah, and I think that that speaks to that that nuance of hey, I'm pregnant, I'm sharing my journey, but I know that this is literal torture for people in infertility, yeah. and being able to yeah. hold that space. Gosh, I mean that takes. That takes some emotional characterization.
1: I mean, it also takes being your own hypocrite sometimes, right? Like I did an entire podcast on infertility. And when I found myself pregnant... I was like, oh gosh, like how do I even approach this now? We've just had infertility talks over and over and now I'm pregnant. I don't even know how to approach this. How do I not hurt anybody's feelings? And how do I also understand that I can't prevent anybody from hurt hurt feelings? Like people are gonna have them no matter what. And so I just took some time actually speaking to those in the infertility community and being like, here's what's up. Like, here's what's going on. Is there something I should be doing? Are there certain language? And it it wasn't as big and ask, I think that as I maybe had led up to think it was, it was as simple as things like, try not to, and they didn't know my story or anything, but just like try not to use language like it was a surprise or, you know, this was completely unexpected or anything that could kind of really hurt because those aren't necessary parts of my story. And so you don't really need to be saying all of that. But then it was hard because once you kind of open the door of giving consideration, I noticed almost immediately as soon as like I was really, really ill, I have been ill this whole pregnancy Mm. and it was difficult. A lot of people ended up just being like, you need to stop apologizing because you you need to hold space for yourself too. You need to give yourself a moment to like acknowledge that this is hard for you. Stop pretending like you're okay. Stop like acting like, you know, you're just sorry that you're pregnant to everybody who's not because you need to hold space for yourself. And so I think what's hard is a lot of times we want to hold so much space for other people who are hurting. And if you reject yourself in the process, it, it it's really, really difficult. So understanding, you know, one of my favorite quotes ever is like grief and joy can dance together. And so just understanding how they can intertwine and doing your best with it. I think so much, and a lot of people online, they always just want to get it right. And like the fear of wrong is there, but like, we want to get it so right. It's just like crippling. And so I've really just allowed myself to be human with this and be like, I might get this really wrong sometimes bear with me. I'm a human being and I can't wait to kind of go on this journey with you and learn new language with you and, and have these moments. And I think humanizing it for me has what's been really allowed me to kind of ex- exhale again, essentially. And, and I think that's the same way when it comes to when we talk about these issues around, you know, what we do and we share online and and how we hold space for others is understanding that you're not going to get it all right, because if you got it all right, you give no room for growth. So just be okay with getting it wrong, be okay with getting it a little bit right and just keep going, like just keep going and showing up and doing your best with it, navigating with the information that you have. And when new information comes, you renavigate if you need to, like you can change the sales. Like there, there is so much that we can do. We, it, it's not meant to just cripple us and make us stay still. We have to kind of keep going and doing our best with what we know and what we can.
0: Yeah. I love this. The, the flexibility, the growth, and aren't we so grateful looking back, like when we've wrestled mm. and had these breakdowns and now we have these breakthroughs and new knowledge, it's always worth it.
1: Always worth it. I mean, learning is learning is something that is such a beautiful thing. And and I don't think that we can always just learn by, it's not always book smarts. It's not always like street smarts. Sometimes it's like actually through experience of things, you've got to go through the fear. Like there is no, you you can try and avoid stuff your whole life, but it, it's not very, it's not a great experience if you don't just like lean into things that scare you with the opportunity to learn. I mean, I, I, this has been my whole year has been like deep, deep discomfort and why it's making me so uncomfortable, why I still have this fear of not being accepted or why I struggle so much when people misunderstand me or why I have this like overwhelming need to please everybody instead of like, what does it look like to just do your best with the information you have moving forward, being true to yourself and, and just, going through it like day after day and and I've kind of just tried to do that the most this year I think 2020 is just a year for that we've all I don't, i don't I think everyone's agitated this year everyone's got like stuff going on and so we just really have to like again like hold space for each other in that yeah this
0: there's there's so much we can unpack with 2020 we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> shelf that one. Please do. Let's jump all twenty. Let's just skip forward. Is this your first pregnancy with a body neutral mentality?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I had when I had my first, I was pregnant when I was I got pregnant at twenty, so I sobbed a lot of the pregnancy because I had stretch marks, and that was a very new concept. I had a very difficult birth and a very long recovery. And I always, most people talk about, you know, losing weight with breastfeeding. I always gained weight. I was the one who gained weight. And then by the time I was done breastfeeding, I was pregnant again. So I had three kids by the time I was 25. And it legitimately took me eight years after my son was born before I could even acknowledge and respect the stretch marks as a bare minimum, like just just a basic respect for what my body had done. So this time I feel like I'm just, and it's been a bit of a a different one because when I started this pregnancy, I'm like, oh, there's so much different this time. I have such a better, I've got way more access to what I understand is good for my body. What foods really fuel me. I was hitting, like, I'm not a huge, like fitness person, but I was actually hitting like these fitness goals. Cause you know, 2020, we've been home a lot. And I, I was really excited for like all of these new fitness goals that I had hit. And then everything just kind of fell. I got so, so sick. And then on top of that, I was diagnosed with placenta previa. Oh. So I cannot, I'm on full pelvic rest. I can't exercise. Food is like, you know what foods are, you know, good for your body and good for fuel. And literally the only food I could stomach was mashed potatoes. So suddenly you're like, this was the food I had avoided for so long. So even the little corners of bits of disordered that came back was like, you can't exercise, you're going to eat carbs like all day long, honey. And it's like, it is going to be it's and you're going to change at the same time. So I feel like I got into this pregnancy with being like, it's going to be so different. And it was like, the world was like, oh, it's going to be different. And it's going to, it challenged me in like new ways, because I think a lot of us, sometimes when you've gone through recovery, you get into this place, you're like, I actually feel really good. Like I feel really good about where I'm at. I think that's when the new challenge kind of had to come in and be like, now it's time to grow even further. Now let's make you real uncomfortable. Let's get you back to a place where you can't exercise food is in a to- like a totally different game again. And, you know, I, I grew very rapidly. So even things like I would wake up in the morning and try and put my pants on and almost forget that I was pregnant and be like, panic and sweat and be like, why are my pants not doing up? Like I had such a weird dysmorphia with it. And then on top of that, I ended up getting diagnosed with prenatal depression about halfway through something I didn't even know existed. And suddenly This was very real for me. I was becoming resentful of the pregnancy for how limiting it was. I was completely disconnected from the process. And I was so angry because this is my first child with my now husband after I've, you know, after everything kind of fell apart and came back together. This to me was supposed to be my redemption experience. This was going to be the one that was like beautiful and so amazing and full of these precious memories. And instead it was like, no, you're going to be sick. You're going to have, you're not even going to be allowed to have sex anymore. Like nothing is going to work for you. And you're going to, I I bled in the pregnancy, so much scary stuff happened. And I would have to do it all alone. He can't come to anything with me due to COVID. And so it's just been like one thing after another, after another, but I'm trying to like, in my head, I feel like this was given to me for a reason and I don't know what it is yet. And that's okay. I, I believe because I am such a storyteller that this is part of something that I'm meant to talk about, that I'm meant, to, I'm meant to acknowledge that I actually felt completely, I feel such a disconnection from this baby growing inside of me and I'm done feeling ashamed of that. Maybe this is normal. And what I'm learning is with every human experience, whenever we feel shame around it it's probably very normal it's probably very common and it's probably just something nobody's talking about because we've all just felt like we've had to hide it in shame right so for whatever reason this is the hand that i've been dealt and and this is the pregnancy that i'm going through and a but as in terms of my body like it it doesn't feel great to be in it right now and it doesn't feel great Looking at it right now, but I'm just still showing up every single day. And that's where I feel like I am being my own success story with this is that I continue to show up. I'm not hiding. I'm not shying away from talking about it. I'm not shying away from showing it and just kind of going through that fear a little bit. Like I said earlier, not trying to avoid it, not trying to like sweep it away and not trying to just stay still with it, but actually just forging ahead and knowing that it's it's not gonna get easier. I still have three months to go and then delivery. So I mean this is it. And I'm actively going through therapy to talk about it too. And it's been, it's been such an experience and I feel like really good about I feel really good about the fact that it's been pure hell. And that I'm still showing up for myself throughout it. I, that just excites me. That, that that just shows me my own growth. And that's what I get razzed about. It's not about like, not you don't heal to have a perfect existence. You heal to learn the t- the tools to be able to exist with difficulties, right? So that's where I'm really excited about it all.
0: I am so grateful you are talking about this. You're in the middle of this. In the middle. You are oh, you yeah. are
1: pregnant, navigating
0: this, sick on multiple levels. The depression, yeah. maternal mental health is not talked about. It's not just after you give birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being open about this. This is the kind of discussion that can save lives. There are other women in your shoes who aren't having that resilience, aren't having that, like, I have meaning in this, but just so isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think you you saying, like, I'm going through this. This is hard. This is hell. This isn't going to get easier. And here's how I'm trying to fight. That's all we have.
1: Yeah, it is. And and I think we've, we have this bit of a destination addiction built within us that, that makes our lives feel like a before and after sometimes that kind of chases this success story where it's just happiness and butterflies and rainbows all the time. And it's like, but what if it, what if you can find peace within the chaos? And what if it's, what if it's just the resiliency in showing up and what if that takes years to develop and what does it look like just to show up through that and i feel like that's where i'm really excited like this isn't always a joyful experience but yet i have joy yet i carry that yet i yet i get to show up and do these things and go through these experiences and go through these difficulties and and maybe normalize it maybe for one woman who might need it to be normalized and and might need to Talk to somebody or understand that they're not alone for weeping and grieving over their body or struggling through a pregnancy or feeling like an absolute monster for the fact that they almost resent this process. This is actually insanely common. Not only that, but right now within the realm of COVID, yeah. it is. A very um, statistically quite high right now. And it actually does make a difference in terms of your overall health because if you go alone through these things, you will start becoming damaging to yourself and potentially your baby. So it's a, I, people, people still to this day will be like, Aren't you worried your daughter is going to read these things one day? And I'm like, No, I hope she does. And I hope she understands what we went through and what we fought together. Like that was a storm that we got through tethered like we're literally tethered by a cord that is holding us together and look how we got this together look how we got to know each other look how we found love in the choices we made and not this beautiful feeling that we constantly chase in life but this choice that we make as we show up and as we experience you know these this thing we call life. And and I feel so much peace in that. And I wish that I had understood this a lot younger, but I'm also glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I'm getting it now. And I'm glad that I, I get to talk about it now. And I get to be that person that people can, you know, maybe relate to, even if it didn't make sense for them, if they can make sense with it through me. Cool. Like it used to be that way with my stretch marks, people would be like, I struggle so much with my stretch marks. When I see them on you, they look so beautiful. If I can do that with like mental health or body issues through pregnancy, like I hope that to be the case, too, that people are like, I can't see this for myself, but I'm just excited to see you doing it. It makes me believe that I can. And and I think that's sometimes why we are storytellers mm-hmm. and why we kind of share, you know, these experiences, knowing that not everybody needs to. And some of us are built with these gifts to do it. and And I love being one of those people. Yeah. You're good
0: at it. And before you said you're in therapy, I was like, this chick does therapy.
1: <laughs> I often, like My old therapist, she's so funny. Cause she's like, I reference her in my, like, I went to therapy like six years ago and I started with her and she taught me so much. And she's so intertwined in my work, like in the writings I do that I often reference her. And I'm like, it, therapy is just one of the best things ever because it just, takes all of the dirt. Like I always talk about it, like peacekeeping versus peacemaking. The peacekeeping is keeping the dirt under the rug or sweeping it under the rug. And the peacemaking is like cleaning up, getting back into the dirt. So I'm, I've, I've cleaned the dirt, but I love going back and like looking at it again, yes. and like sorting through it and being like, oh, remember when this was such a thing? And this was like my whole life and my whole existence. And therapy is just, it, I, it's actually funny. Two weeks ago when I started again, that morning I woke up and I was like, I'm having a great week. Like I definitely do not need therapy. Like I'm totally fine. (laughs) But I was like, it's so rude to cancel on the day of. So like, I won't, I'll show up. And so this isn't even like an appointment. It's an intake session like basically like a, let's get to know each other. What's your situation type thing. And so we start this session and she was like, okay, so tell me why you kind of want to have therapy. And I just start to ball. And I was like, I didn't think I needed this (laughs) at all. And I was like, it was so wild to me. And now I'm like, it's just such a therapy, such a special thing. And I, I would love for it to be so much more accessible to so many more people. And just even if it's not to to be able to repeat or, or share experiences that we find online, I think is is a really special thing and, and can really show up for people like who I was 12 years ago when I had zero access to anything and just found community with random women online on blogs that made me just feel this much less alone and and got me through some of the toughest years of life to, to now being in a place where I get to kind of do the work and share what I can. Yeah. I think therapy is cool. I love your sweater. <laughs> like I think what my shirt says (laughs) someone should make this oh wait I'll get that's amazing therapy is cool you know what's cool about you know what's cool about talking about it now though because my oldest daughter which she gives me consent to like talk about that she she, all my kids always give consent whenever I share anything about them but my oldest uh, when she was diagnosed with seasonal depression and anxiety disorder she was like mom I just feel like it's time for me to start some therapy and uh wondering if you could set that up for me and I was like (laughs) what like so matter of fact like i would like to talk about some stuff i would like to unload this i would like to learn this about myself and i was like who what is happening but therapy is become cool like we're talking about these teenagers now they're like They're almost like, oh, my therapist told me. Like in general conversation, where for all of us growing up, I know I didn't know a single person in therapy. I didn't know anybody in therapy. I I knew my mom in therapy sometimes, but like even that was kind of quiet. Now it's it is cool. We actually are like, man, we need this. We live in a different age and a different time. The pressures and the stakes are higher than ever. Take care of yourself. It's like it's a basic. Need and it is such a it, it's the one our mental health is like the one thing that really impacts everything. It impacts the way you are, how you show up in every other aspect, how you take care of yourself is like so so key. And yeah, it's I just loved that my own daughter was like, "Yep, got to do this. Let's get after it." And I was like, "Okay, okay," like just nothing to it. Just so owns it, loves. It. She'll be even like, "Mom, feeling really anxious today." felt like I was going to have a panic attack. And I was like, just so open about it. And they they're advocates now they're growing up as being advocates for themselves. And I think it's the coolest thing ever.
0: Okay. If you're ever questioning your job as a mom, there's evidence you killed, (laughs) you are killing it. Your kid knows therapy is cool. I'm sending both of you shirts, sweatshirts. Oh my gosh. Yes. I am
1: Please do. good for
0: you. Like that is the message. Like we have to break this stigma. Um, mm-hmm. I started, mm-hmm. I started making this merch in 2018 and it was because I wrote a post on Instagram. I was like, therapy is cool. And people lost their ever living minds. They're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm like, or it was 2017. And I was like, wait a second. Like we're allowed to talk about this. Like everyone should have therapy. Like don't trust people who don't go to therapy. Like that's.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, 100%. Isn't it so funny though? You say things like 2017 and 2018. When I started sharing like pretty openly, it was 2017, 2018. Look how much the, like sometimes I think we need to sit back and just be like, how cool is it that through the realms of social media, which people demonize because it can be so toxic sometimes, but look how much change has happened in the entire world in the span of two to three years when it comes to the way we look at therapy and mental health or our bodies or you know, advocacy and social justice these are huge, huge things that are changing and shaping the world. And it was like in two to three years It's wild via like an app on a phone. Just blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, it's wild. When
0: uh, I hopped on Instagram, it was like, am I going to lose my license? Like therapists can't do this. Like I was really scared. And now mm, there's... Yeah millions of therapy accounts. Like it's a thing. Like this is how people find therapy now. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. That's the whole point. It's like, let's change the mental it health is. game. Like that's it and social justice. Like how many of us learned the word privilege this year? How many of us <laughs> like
1: Yeah. Oh shit.
0: So yeah, social media is very
1: powerful and we some good things are happening there for sure. Absolutely. I so agree with you. And I think it's so special that we can see kind of the differences in therapy as well. A lot of people have really bad first experiences with therapy. And it's like, have you ever just dated your first boyfriend and been like, you know what, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm done with relationships, but therapy is so different. Like if it doesn't connect going to that second, like that second try and go and seeing those. So I think that watching it online, sometimes you connect with certain therapists that really lay it out in a certain way. I know I have a couple that I follow and the way that they speak into things. I'm like, oh yes, like this is exactly, this connects for me. And then other ones I'm like, ah, this doesn't really relate the same way. Very, very similar, which is why I think therapy is, is something that needs to be broadened even in the way we talk about it. It's just like, it can be as simple as your first relationship didn't work out and let's try a new one. Um, and, and that one might be really, really beautiful for you. Right. So yeah.
0: Whether I, I love, we think the same way about stuff, comparing it to relationships, like a relationship mm-hmm. with your body. Like you don't just fall in love overnight, a relationship yeah. with the therapist. It may not be the person that you're there with, but don't give up. Maybe you need to take a break, yeah. keep searching, keep shopping, keep building this relationship and finding that connection.
1: I mean, in my first therapist, no joke, she dumped me at one point (laughs) because I, we had been so deep down this road and she broke up with me because she was like, you have everything you need and you've known this work, but you don't do it. So I think we need some time apart. I think you've got it all. And I was like, (laughs) okay, like rude. Not really. I was kind of like, Okay. Like in my head thinking like, well, where do I go now? Like the, how does this work? So I was like, I guess I graduated therapy, <laughs> but what actually happened was she kind of like pushed me out of the nest a little bit. Right. Because at that time I'd been talking through relationship issues. I've been talking through like what was going on in my life and just running in circles with it. And so when she broke up, she had basically been like, here's your tools go. And it wasn't even maybe two months later that I finally walked away from that 11 year marriage. And I, and I kind of uprooted my entire world. And I came back for one appointment with her maybe four or five years later. And I And I realized almost immediately that I couldn't have her be my therapist moving forward because it did bring back so much of that previous life. But I walked into the room and I just was like, in my head, I was like, I don't even know if I remember what she looks like anymore. I don't even know if I know who she is or if she'll remember me. And I walked in and I remember just looking at her and being like, thank you. Like I, I, you gave me everything and you pushed me out. And I finally was able to take the steps that I needed to take. And I did it by the tools that I learned here with you. And I want you to know I've been carrying them for five years. And so we came back and we kind of caught up. And and it was such a beautiful experience, this relationship that was formed, that became this baseline of so much of my decision-making and so much of my self-awareness. A lot of people are like, how do you write these Instagram captions? I'm like, because I went to therapy and was basically told that I was becoming incapable of making my own opinions because I was sponging everybody else's. Mm -hmm. So I had to start paying attention Mm -hmm. to my own thoughts and to like being more self-aware basically. So even down to like the career baseline of it, my therapy is the reason why I do what I do now is the reason why I started listening to myself to be more self-aware and to start advocating for these things was because I had a therapist who taught me really great lessons who dumped me, <laughs> who made me activate those lessons and carry them forward for the, you know, the the next time. And my new therapist now specializes in, you know, maternal mental health. And and I'm really excited for this new journey with her too, right? So it's just it's just so cool. It's it's so amazing what we can learn about ourselves through the process of somebody's sole job being like to unearth that stuff. Yeah. I just think it's awesome. Yes.
0: Thanks for breaking that stigma. I think people need to know. Therapy is normal. Therapy is good. People who get therapy are people who value mental health. There's nothing yes. weak about that. It's yep. successful, great, driven, like family people. This isn't something to be afraid of.
1: And no. it, yeah, so and literally can literally can give you your career. Literally can advance your life. Literally can do like like multiply your relationships in terms of growth and everything. Like it is so, so good for you. It, it's, it, I think it's almost like the best investment you could make to impact everything in your life. Yeah. I love it. Face tattoos. Therapy is cool. Should we do it? Face tattoo. You should make temporary. You should do like an ink box one. Like, you know, those like temporary ones that last for like two weeks. So everyone will think you're serious. Okay. So you know, I make fake tattoos, like, right? No, I didn't <laughs> know you make fake, fake
0: tattoos. Don't worry. I'm sending, That's terrifying. I'm sending you a box of stuff.
1: Oh my gosh! We're gonna face tattoo me. Uh, it's a good time. Um. It's a good- <laughs> I can't do anything real these days. I can't even get a piercing. Oh. Not allowed to do crap. I wanted to get my ears pierced, and they're like, "Sorry, you're pregnant." And I'm like, "You know what? <laughs> Let me live." Oh, can't do anything. Not fair. No. Yeah. No. Tell tell
0: the people listening to the Therapy Thoughts podcast where to find you, where to listen to your podcast, where to get all your stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you can basically, my wheelhouse is going to be Instagram. I'm huge on Instagram stories, but Instagram is kind of like my journal place. So you'll find me. So that's at the birds papaya. You can find my blog as well. Birdspapaya.com, the And I have a podcast that I nicknamed the papaya podcast and never really left. So we also have the papaya podcast. It is a very, it's, it's me being curious about basically everything and it's really fun. So we definitely touch on everything from you know infertility one of my favorite episodes is actually around owning your anxiety it's the most listened to we've ever had we have a really great episode all on vaginas we we just go down anything and everything that i might be curious about so yeah hopefully if it connects with you you come and hang out and uh we get to be instagram friends that's basically the schtick
0: you're killing it i mean i'm not trying to stress you out you're pregnant you got a lot going on but you got to write a book at some point
1: I know. I literally have you know what's like sad about that is like I have a book deal. Like it's there if I want it. But it's just this like I feel like I'm really good at writing bursts of things, but like the idea of a chapter, I'm like, oh it sounds like work. Yes. <laughs> and then I get really like, no. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's I, I I would love to write a book, but I know that they are definitely an endeavor. But I also think I potentially have already written the book. Like if you go through the amount of things I've already written, I think it might be there and it might be time for me to start getting it together. So maybe that's what I'll I'll start thinking in 2021 when, you know, the agitation of 2020 has has met its peak yeah. and we can start processing it all through. Yeah. And maybe you can recover from birth and whatnot. I mean, you don't, we don't know which way this baby's going to explode out of me. So <laughs> we'll figure that out. <laughs> well, if I'm, I'm like gunning my, I want to have a, I wanted to have a home birth. And I said to my husband, I'm like, can we, I just have this like idea where there's like a tub in the living room and like, I give birth there and like, everyone is there and it's so beautiful. And he's like, he just looks at me. He's like, Sarah, I don't even like the kids having a juice box in the living room. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so Look, <laughs> I don't know we'll find out I I can't I'm not even allowing myself to dream anything about birth right now because we're still waiting to hear about my placenta so it might be a hospital birth it might be a home birth it might be whatever it might be me thinking I can do one thing and then ending up doing an entirely different and whatever we're along for the ride you are a goddess either way any way you do it thank you yeah. I'm excited yeah, I'm excited for my body to be my own again and uh and to have Advil to be honest. I would really like an Advil. This the little thing. People are like, "Are you excited for a martini?" I'm like, "No, I'm excited for a Yeah, I'm like, "Give me a Xanax." And you're like, "I just want an Advil." You're fine. No, I just want an Advil. You can't have a he- you they, you can't have anything when you're pregnant. So I had a 6-day headache last oh, week, so sis. maybe that's where I'm speaking from. But yeah, we're uh we're chugging along, but yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be, I'm excited for, for next year and for all the changes coming as, even if it makes me scared shitless, I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. You're a goddess,
0: your dream. Thanks for your vulnerability and, and doing your part to change this mental health game.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me on and, and talking taco tubs. That was such a delight. This was such a delight. You're great.
0: Taco tubs to therapy
1: y'all. This is what we do.
0: Okay, y'all, check out the show notes to get all the links to Sarah's good stuff. As you can tell, she's the best, and you need more of her. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) May you be well, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Therapy Thoughts podcast, but remember, this podcast is not therapy. This is for general informational purposes only. The information on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any condition, illness, or disease. This also isn't intended to be financial, legal, medical, or therapeutic advice. Make sure you're always working with your own personal, licensed mental health counselor. May you be well.